audio sermons from Peachtree Christian Church. The scripture reading for this morning is found in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and at about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here, idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they could receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And they went, receive it. They grumbled against the landowners, saying, This last work only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burning of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this to last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or that, or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. My friends, before Reverend Ginelat brings us the teaching of the word today, I'd like to invite Reverend Ginelat to the lectern to give us an update from the prayer ministry and how we have an opportunity to wed prayer and our outreach ministries together. Good morning. Good to see you all. At Peachtree, our goal is to enrich and stimulate your prayer life so that you can notice and that your prayers will lead to some kind of service. So I really love exactly what um, Reverend Dr. Jared Longmans just said about the interplay of the prayer ministry and the outreach ministry. That's our goal. We would like to inspire prayer, reflection, and service. Now, each week, I know you guys know where the snacks are. So think of that place. Think of the snacks that might be there after service today. And in your mind's eye, imagine also several large maps of our state and the Atlanta area. These are there so that we can track our progress because it's prayer is one of those things that becomes more amazing the more you t take time to notice. And that's exactly what we want to help do with those maps. You'll see some markers, and I think they're blue, um, 
You can use them to outline anywhere that you have walked and prayed around our city and state. And as you walk, we hope that you will pray for people, places, and situations. We hope that you will reflect, think about what you're seeing, um, take it in and notice the small things. And we pray and hope that you will be led to serve in those places that you notice. And when you're led to serve, would you please reach out either to Reverend Brooks Genelat or to Reverend D. Stone with your ideas. And maybe there's something that God is asking us to do together in this city. And feel free each week, more than free, be empowered to click on our website, peachtree.org, where you can find a suggested focus for each week. For example, this week has been um, Centers of Education, the people that work there, staff, teachers, also the people who participate, also those who drive children to those places, like parents or transportation specialists, if you will. So that's, that's what our Prayer Walk initiative is all about, and we need you to be a part of it with us. We're excited to see what comes from it. And if I may, I'd love to offer a prayer before uh, Reverend Brooks takes it away. God of the universe, God of the corner of Peachtree Street and Spring Street in Atlanta, you are both the one whose spirit hovered over the waters full of the words of life and creation, and you are the one whose spirit hovers over the burned foundations of homes in Lahaina, Maui. God of all great ideas, learning, world change, and future leaders, and also God who rides with me in the car as I console my own children who would have preferred to stay home rather than go to their daycare. You, God of big and God of small, God of all-encompassing and God of specific, you are Holy Father, mysterious, powerful spirit, and close friend, Jesus Christ. Nothing escapes your view or your influence. And though your purposes are for all the earth, we ask you to help us here in our own small corner of your domain. We beg to participate, to notice the problems of our city and our homes, of entire neighborhoods, and of our next door neighbors. And we ask to see our prayer and reflection become service. Help us and guide us, honor our attempts to talk, and change us as we walk and experience you in every situation. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Reverend Jordan. That is how we refer to each other at home, Reverend Brooks and Reverend Jordan. And along with our reverend children, we went to the gym last Saturday. And I was really excited to go to the gym. I uh, went to the YMCA. They have child care. Awesome. Um, and they have adult full court basketball from 10 to 12 every Saturday. And so I was really excited to go. I haven't played basketball in a long time. I hate working out, but I love playing sports. And so we go to the gym. We're running about 15 minutes later than I want. So I throw the kids upstairs, and I walk right into the gym. And two steps in, I realize something horrible has happened. I have walked into a four-hour Zumba class. And I don't know if you know what Zumba is, but it's not basketball. 
Uh, and so they had changed the schedule last week, and we had a four-hour Zumba class instead of uh, basketball. And so as I danced off my frustrations, I learned another life lesson that life is not fair. Uh, we all have those lessons, all have those stories uh, from the trivial of if you drove in traffic this week and your lane didn't move, but all the other ones did, and then you change lanes and that lane didn't move and then all the other ones did, um, to much heavier or tragic ones we can point to, the loss of a job by no fault of your own, the loss of a loved one before it felt right. We can all agree that life isn't fair. But the kingdom of heaven, that's going to be fair, right? The way God intended it. This morning, I want to retell the parable that we heard earlier because perhaps we're a bit too familiar with it. Uh, I know for me, sometimes I hear it and I just nod along, go, mm, the first shall be last. No idea what that means, but sounds great. So I'm going to take a shot at telling it again and maybe modernizing it and see if we can hear it with fresh ears. A man goes to Home Depot. He's going to get some supplies for his job at his house. He's got lots of jobs all over his house. And uh, he pulls up and he sees... Uh, a group of day laborers standing off to the side. They're mostly migrant workers. Uh, and he goes and he gets his supplies. And on his way out, he, he points at three of them and says, hey, would y'all like to work for 100 bucks today? I got a lot of work in my house. Would you like to come do it? I say, that sounds like a great deal. They hop in the car, they go to his house, and they get to work. That's a really nice guy. So not only has he got to pay them, he feels like, I'll get him some lunch. You know, we're working all day. It'd be right to get him some lunch. So he goes back out. There's a Zaxby's next to that Home Depot. He runs. He grabs him a few Zax snacks. And he sees still waiting out there next to the Home Depot, still a pretty sizable group of men hoping to get a job. You know, the sun's starting to get higher. It's starting to get warmer. It's noon. Half the day is gone. They know they're not going to make as much money. But he drives over there after grabbing a few extra meals and says, all right, you three, do y'all want to come work in my house to pay something fair? Uh, and I got a meal for you. And they go, yeah, all right, sweet, more work. Something I can do, get some money. They hop in the car, they go to his house. He puts them to work. There's a bunch of jobs at his house. And then he's waiting around, a lot of stuff's getting done. And he goes, and it's time to pay him. So he's, he runs to the ATM, it's about 4 p.m. And he gets to the ATM, and right across the street from the Home Depot again, because everything's next to the Home Depot in this town. And, and he sees again this group of men still standing there at 4 p.m. Why haven't they given up yet? They're not going to make any money. No one's come and grabbed them that day to get work. But he goes over and says, Hey, do y'all want to come to my house? we only got an hour of work left, but... I'll take care of you. I'll give you something for your work. Yeah, anything's better than nothing. That's why we've been standing around here, just hoping to get a job. And so they hop in and they go to his house. And they work. They barely break a sweat, as, even though they're working hard. And he calls them up. It's time. It's 5 p.m. It's time to go home. And he gives them 100 bucks. He says, I know you guys wanted to work all day, and there just weren't any jobs. So here you go. And it's like that moment of like, oh, 
you were the yes thank you god just no don't want him to change his mind very excited the next people come up and they also get a hundred bucks they're thrilled they're like oh man we worked half a day we got a full day's pay and the last guys come up they're like this guy's super generous probably gonna get a tip or something but they get the same hundred dollars they agreed to fair amount but they're frustrated because they feel as though they weren't paid fairly although they were and he says how does my generosity make you angry why are you worried about what i do for them when we have a deal and you felt fair about that More often than not, when we hear this parable spoken of, it's strictly in a spiritual sense. We're told that this is about salvation. This is about those deathbed confessions where they didn't live that same Christian life, but God still brings them in. Or in the context of its first writing, we think about how this was possibly to tell the group, remember those tax collectors and sinners? Yeah, they're part of the group too. Or for the early Jewish Christian church? Yeah, those Gentile believers? Yeah, they're part of it too. They didn't keep the law. They weren't told to, but they're still part of it. But have you, have you ever thought that maybe this parable isn't strictly spiritual? Perhaps there is something to the economics or Jesus talking about money. I heard, overheard another conversation recently uh, that might bring this home. But it was using the same logic of what happens to them doesn't really affect you. It was two people talking about Student loan forgiveness. I know that might ring too true. Some people in here have loans and love to have them forgiven. Some people in here have paid off their loans and they made a fair deal. They paid their part and they, it's only fair for others to pay theirs. It would be unfair to some if we have student loan forgiveness. But it would be a gift to others. Does that make it right? Does that make it just? We always seem to want to disregard or spiritualize Jesus when he speaks about money. However, just before this time, this parable, Jesus is visited by the rich young man. I don't know if you remember this story or not. This rich young man, super nice guy, came to Jesus and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Keep the commandments. Being a smart man, he goes, which ones? I want to make sure I get that as small as possible. And Jesus gives him five. You know, I'll give you five. I'm cut it in half. Nailed those. Sweet. Good choice. And he says, sell all you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. Of course, we quickly point out that that was strictly to him. He's not saying that to everyone in the Bible and the Gospels. So we don't have to keep that one. Thank goodness. Phew. And right after that, Jesus says, it is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for 
Hamill to go through the eye of a needle. And we're like, that's trouble. Uh, but he quickly releases the pressure a little bit and says, what's impossible for man is possible with God. And we can cling on to that. What I find strange here is after telling these two interactions where it seems like the rich people are the bad guy, he then immediately follows it up with a parable where the rich man's the good guy and the poor day laborer is the one who misunderstands God's grace. He tells a story and makes the bad guy the good guy right after, if we want to call him the bad The rich man, the bad guy, and then the rich man, the good guy. So yes, I do believe that the kingdom of heaven is about inclusion. As we mentioned earlier, this story is about accepting all those, but maybe, maybe there is something more to this economic aspect of it. How does the rich young man struggle and the camel through the eye of a needle difficulty for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven lead to this man, this landlord, being put in place of God for a lot of people. But what does this landlord do that makes him the good guy? He seems to give out his money freely in a way that doesn't really benefit him. He doesn't get the best bang for his buck. He could have waited till the next day, gone and gotten more workers, been generous still, but gotten his full day's pay out of all of them. He could have just paid them a fair amount. But he saw the need that these laborers had and the desire to work, and he met that need because he could. But there's also a lesson for the day laborers, for those who have to work hard and have uncertainty. They're told this isn't a zero-sum game. The benefit of your neighbor doesn't affect you in a negative way, and it's hard for us to grasp that in our economic environment, which is one of the reasons we always want to discount Jesus on economics and on money. We're like, that's just not how the world works. We have limited resources. This could never function. How could I sell everything I have and follow you? But maybe still there is a call on all of our lives as Christians to care about others and their needs in ways that might not make financial sense to us and that might not be a financial benefit to us. Because this kingdom life isn't about being fair and balanced. Life in the kingdom of God is about loving our neighbors and caring about their needs.